So there's ways to do that where you can make a beautiful portfolio and then beneath that you can have a couple key sections with content and then let's say have a expand and contract FAQ section which is like one of our signature moves so you can get 500 words into this FAQ section on each of the service pages about hey these are things people are asking but we don't need to make it gigantic and take up a bunch of space that can contract Welcome to episode 116 of the AFT Construction Podcast, and I'm your host, Brad Levitt. And in this episode, I speak with Tim Brown, who's the CEO of The Hook Agency. And The Hook Agency is a 16-person firm out of Minneapolis, Minnesota, that work with contractors, and they specialize in Google. And this was really valuable, this conversation with Tim. You know, we touched upon social media, which is valuable, but for him, the value he brings, speaking about the company, company culture, training education, and now how that impacts us to understand the importance of video and how we can leverage video through all these platforms, what he can do with video. And then again, you know, between blogs and SEO content, the search engine optimization, that is the value for us as contractors. And Tim left so many valuable pieces of information that all of you can take home. They'll benefit your business, your marketing strategies, and the future success of your company. So without further ado, let's get started. So welcome to the AFT Construction Podcast. I'm very excited today to have Tim Brown on. So welcome, Tim. Hey, thanks for having me, Brad. Yeah. So Tim is CEO of The Hook Agency and uh, definitely represents all of us in an aspect of our business that's super important, the marketing side, right? And understanding websites and SEO and all the things that go behind it. So you know, you are one of the reasons I want to bring you on as well, Tim, is because you, you definitely understand the mentality of a small business owner. And right now... Um, Many of us small business owners are dealing with very challenging circumstances right in the industry with inflation and supply chain and labor shortages. I mean, it's not just unique to construction. It's pretty much every industry. And since you're a fellow small business owner, you know what are some of the challenges that we face, that you're facing in today's market? Yeah, I, I guess I have to just go off of my last year uh, and some of the issues that we've faced and I can see people facing. I, I feel like sourcing good help is a really big piece of what the biggest challenge is today. I think even though I see some construction companies are, they they feel like they can fill the seats, getting people that are motivated and really want to be there and are ready to do what needs to be done. is still an issue, still making sure that they've got people that are motivated. So I think even if it's even if you can get the people into the office or onto the job site, making sure that people are motivated to do things right. Cause otherwise you just got more people to manage. And that can be very stressful. Even if you you, you know, we're kind of I think there's a movement in business owners that's like, I want to have some freedom, some time freedom. And I see that all the time. People want time freedom, but getting more employees does not always mean time freedom. Right. <laughs> Sometimes it means like yeah. painful amount of management. So getting people that don't require a ton of management is really the key. And I think that that's, it's difficult. So I don't think I have that solved necessarily yet. Yeah. I don't think any of us have that solved, but, but I think you touched on something that's important Tim, because most of us, we may look at, okay, especially as a small business, right? It, one woman band, one man band, you're running a wearing a lot of hats, right? Especially a small business owner. As, as you get busier, you may have the financial stability to bring someone on, to hire someone, to delegate some tasks that supposedly may free you up, right? But th- there is a fine line to how many people you hire, how much management they take, the training, the execution. Are they communicating with the client the same way I would, right? Are they documenting things properly? Are we, you know, and so there's so many aspects to that, you know, so how do you find, for lack of a better word, qualified people or motivated people, right? Because I think that's tough is, how do you motivate people? Like, how have you done that with your business? How do you consult a business such as myself to do so? Yeah, I don't, I necessarily, I'm not necessarily consulting on that too often, just to be honest with you. Um, I feel like I'm still in the failing a lot, but I, <laughs> I can, sh- I can share from an, an aspect of I've failed a number of times. Um, and I think, I think that that's valuable. I think sometimes we get these consultants into our company that want to tell us exactly how to do it. It's like, no, but tell me what you've messed up on because yeah. that would really help me right now. Um, I think, well, it's probably nothing you haven't heard before, but the culture piece and 
having a big why and trying to empower people. And I think none of this is revolutionary, but all of it's good. I feel like lately, like, you know, as I've been leading people that I feel like my insights are getting more basic. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Like they, they bear repeating, you know what I mean? Like, and I think that empowering people and this is something I need to work on and I've failed a lot on, which is always giving people the answer when they asked a question. And so I think for me, it's getting better at not telling people the answer, but asking them a question, kind of, you know, the Socratic method. Um, so how would you solve that if you, you know, <laughs> if you trust yourself and, and asking um, employees to, to solve problems on their own instead of giving them the solution? Because the more you give them the solution, the more that they get addicted to your, you being the one that gives them solutions. And I think that that's, Basically, I think that where I'm at in business, which we're, we're, we have the 16th person starting in a couple of weeks, is just, you can't do that anymore. You can't be the guy that gives all the answers constantly. So I think that's what I need to get better on right now. I love that. I love that you share that, Tim, because I look back and, and we're very similar size, you know, just to be transparent, we have 16 employees, so we're the same, um, you know, been in business nine years. And I look back early on and it was really difficult for me. I don't want to say I was type of you know, as a micromanager, but it was really difficult to hand off certain aspects of the company, right? And especially when it came to, you know, estimating, that's something I did all the time. And now I've kind of stepped away from that. But what I found, and today was really enlightening. In fact, before having you on this afternoon, we had a meeting this first time. I mean, we have production meetings very regularly with our team, you know, and their trainings. We've tried to make them more just not, hey, how's everyone doing? What's your schedule updates? Like their actual impactful where they're, the team's leaving with nuggets of information. But today was unique where we have um, uh, a new hire that he's in school. Actually, he's doing construction management at ASU. His dad's a top architect in town. So he actually grew up as an architect, knows how to read plans, really understands that. And then my senior construction manager really understands the details. And so what they did was, I said, you know, we had talked about them conducting the training today and doing a full day training, not a one hour production, I mean a full day training. So on their own, they created uh, this question. It was like being back in college, right? This exam. So they had three pages of questions like, go to the blueprints and you need to find how many catch basins are on this project. Then go to this one and you need to find where the back gate, what, what is the elevation point you know, to top of footing where the gate's installed and what's the ridge height here? And so very technical things. And so what happened was we're sitting in this conference room and I'm sitting here watching that no matter what level of superintendent or management, they're going through this empowerment, right? Because I have now two of my employees teaching everyone. They're making them accountable. They're making me, as the owner of the company, go through the same exam to make sure I know what I'm looking at, right? And so it kind of clicked that I'm like, this is it. Like This is what I've been looking for so long. That it's like once they're empowered and they have, they believe in what they're doing, like you said, Tim, you said once they feel they believe in it, they believe in the end result, they, they're, they're empowered, they have the opportunity to teach mm-hmm. and instruct and now we could step back and let them really create, a, you know, an amazing workplace. That's good. Yeah. And it's, it kind of goes to something I've been thinking about a lot lately. It's just, just, I think to get to the next level where we're going, where you're going potentially is like this idea of like creating a training company every, and it's like, there's, they say a skilled labor shortage, right? Um, there's maybe not quite enough great people around, but if you're willing to be part of the solution to help bring some of those people up and to make a training organization, I think that's how people get past this point. Um, And I think that in a place where there isn't necessarily always, even if they've gone to college or even if they've gone to school for for the thing that you're hiring them for, a lot of folks are not um, ready for... (laughs) the actual job, you know, like basically you have to train them again anyways. So just making your company a training organization, no matter what you do, I think is just starting to be very valuable. I think for sure uh, where where we are now and where you guys are now, I'm guessing. Yeah. I love that you share that, Tim, because I think about, again, going back to our mistakes, which I could spend a whole podcast on this and, and much more, <laughs> but, you know, especially early on when I'd hire someone, it's like, Hey, kick them off the pier. And good luck, figure it out. Like, you know, I didn't provide training. It's just like, you need to go perform. You need to do this. And, and it's, it's such a bad business approach because now I look back and to your point, when you start thinking about company culture, well, you know, as you have that cross training, as you train, you know, it really 
connects you as a company as we do these on-site trainings together. So that culture, that friendship, that camaraderie is really built and strengthened, right? And then, as you mentioned, if you're a company of training and you train, these, yeah, you may have some that leave the nest, right? And they want to do their own thing. But for the most part, those that stay, I mean, every job, every project, every year, they're going to get more refined and better. And so you end up creating this well-oiled machine as to the best of your ability in a very unpredictable market. Hmm. Feel that. And so, you know, from your side, Tim, as you start thinking about, you know, when you're looking at not only your business and the companies you consult with, I mean, what should be the primary focus, you know, that small companies should look at outside of the training? I mean, you saw this aspect that, hey, we need to train. Yeah. You know, what else should companies be focusing on? I guess part of it is whatever currently hurts. Because, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, hey, people have different pain points. Uh, we may have solved the lead problem for ourselves. We have a lot of leads for our own business, but maybe we need to work on the closing problem, closing more deals. Um, we end up, we're, in, we're a little higher priced than some companies. So closing might be the current pain um, and retention has been a pain during this past year with employees because just people are giving weirdly high numbers to people, to other people. So. Um, and I'm in a surging market. We sell SEO, so search engine optimization. And and that has been something that a lot of more companies decided they wanted during COVID. And so um, employees got ganked. And that was scary. And, and so that's our current pain. I think letting the pain guide you is a beautiful <laughs> thing. Um, so if you're losing employees, then that should be the number one thing. How can I stop the pain? of that. And then if you don't have any pain guiding you, I promise there will be some soon. No, I'm just yeah. kidding. No. There's no doubt right? about that. Yeah. I really like uh, Tim Ferriss's thing on, he talks about just in, in time knowledge versus just in case knowledge. And that's always, that's been very helpful to me. So I'll read a book because I know next week I need this information versus like, I used to read every philosophy book and psychology book and sociology book that I could get my hands on because I want to know every, you know, I want to know the, the, the secret of the universe. And now I'm like, next week, it's going to hurt if I don't understand this aspect of finances. I'm going to read like, so I think, I think a couple of the biggest problems right now are probably retention of employees and making your work more meaningful, trying to make even somewhat mundane work meaningful. Because if you think about it, millennials, people my age, um, and actually Gen Z, I think, goes up to like 24 now. So mm -hmm. Gen Z is in, entering the work market and, you know, they invest with their conscience. They also are going to invest their time with their conscience. And so if there's some element of meaningfulness, like if you're a home builder, remodeler, et cetera, even if you're like one of the more um, specialized trades or whatever, if you can find a way to make that meaningful, you're going to have a better time retaining people and, and customer service and, and making people's lives better is part of that. You know, like I really like the way, uh, my friend Torlando Hakes talked about helping someone get in their ideal home is is basically the top of the Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You're actually like providing meaning. If they if they can be in their home and feel like it reflects their ideal state, then you're actually helping them achieve meaning in their lives. And that's worthwhile. So to me, there's ways to position what you're do you're offering as a as a service in a more meaningful way. And I think that's going to become more important. And I think the other one that I've seen a lot of contractors struggle with and we've struggled with as well is just profitability and focusing on profitability, not just that top line revenue number. So those are two big problems, I think. Retention through meaning and not getting too attached to glamour metrics like revenue when profits Profit's important. Yeah, profit. I, I love that you share that though. I mean, when you start thinking about the complexity of that, you know, of retention and, you know, how do you create a meaningful workplace, no matter your business, you know, how do you keep people engaged? How do you keep them enthused? How do you keep them motivated? And retention's key because you, 
you know, and again, you know, as I consult with a lot of business owners, right, there's some that have different, um, you know, strategies, if you will, on how to retain employees. And because some employees, hey, they may need time, right? They may need personal time, vacation time. Some employees want money, right? Some employees want the culture. They want the community. They want to feel important. And so it's kind of like our own children, right? Understanding what drives each of them and understanding how that plays in the workplace. And then there is some truth that some employees do want, you know, like you said, it's really tough to retain employees because someone down the street may offer them, you know, two dollars more an hour and they're gonna go. And I know that's an issue with a lot of my trade partners. They have framing crews and they'll have a great framing crew that's offered two bucks more an hour to go work for this other guy. So they're gone. And it's just no loyalty, right? And so you think mm-hmm. about, well, what is the cost of replacement, right? What is the cost for me to retrain, to teach the culture, the system? Is it worth just evaluating, you know, looking at the profitability like, like you're mentioning, Tim, but just saying, okay, should I just give this person a bump? Maybe we always do end of year, but maybe we do mid-year. Maybe we look at this and say, hey, let's do something. Let's incentivize them because then at least, you know, I know that if they leave, it's going to be much more painful. And how many times do people say, well, you never um, took care of me. You know, you overworked me. You didn't, that's why I'm going elsewhere. And then when it comes time, well, they're throwing money at them. They're already gone because emotionally they're like, I'm done. I want to go out to the next venture. Mm-hmm. No, that's super important. And we've been doing the same thing with the mid-year stuff. Um, even if it feels a little crazy, I think, hey, let's just talk about that uh, inflation number right now. <laughs> it's kind of stupid. So even Gas if, prices. Like, if, you're, if you're giving them a 2% raise, you're giving them like their their income's going down. So like, just remember that. And you know that. I know that. And we've had to raise our prices. You've had to probably raise your prices. and. It's just basically understanding. I think people know that automatically because they're getting bread for $4 instead of $2. So it's just kind of a crazy, it's a crazy, it's something that's in their face and they're, they know it. So how do you work with, you know, when you start thinking about leads and I know this is, you'll have your own leads, but you also consult with companies on leads. I mean, how do you target that aspect, especially with SEO, because SEO can be very challenging and Maybe dive into depth a little bit about the value because a lot of people in this day and age maybe are looking at social media or maybe they're looking at word of mouth and still not concentrate on the value of you know WordPress and website and you know how do you create a winning website with good SEO content? Yeah, I I'll just kind of sell the idea of SEO for a second. Here's the deal: what is the intent? Think about it impartially for you when you get on Facebook, you know, like, think about that. How do you use Facebook? I'm not usually in a search mode. I don't, I don't know how often I use the search function of Facebook. Like I'm not usually looking for a provider. If I do, and this is the part where you should be on Facebook, community groups and referral partners. That is powerful to me. Like, and get like my if there's one thing besides SEO that I think people should focus on is getting a couple service providers kind of like them that are in these community groups and referring each other out back and forth being the, you know, Hey, I've got this company for this, this company for this, this company for this. I'm always tagging them. They're going to see when I tag them on Facebook and asking them to do the same in these community groups. But the, you know, the intent when you get on Google, is to find something, right? In general, that's usually the the main intent. So I just think intent, be there when they're searching. You wanna be there when they're searching. And that that usership on Google has gone up, gone up, gone up. Um, it went up even more during COVID. It might, might've gone up unnaturally high, but um, it's still, you know, higher than it was before and the people are more online than before so there's a lot of volume and the amount of searches and to me it's just all about the intent so that's why i like google like i've been involved with social media marketing i used to do it you know that's how i got my start in marketing a little bit um love it it's great we use it for our business it's hard to do from an outside company perspective so we're just focused on where we can offer value um, but the two biggest things in 
in SEO or getting higher on Google are really, it's all about the content. So it's all about answering, let's say, questions that you get in the sales process a lot. Um, using a tool like Arefs or SEMrush, that's A-H-R-E-F-S.com or SEMrush, S-E-M-Rush.com. By the way, they just went public. Giant, uh, ton of uh, ton of money coming into search right now, which is kind of cool. But it just kind of shows you that like people are valuing this stuff more. Um, we don't have that many companies that go public in SEO, so that yeah. was a <laughs> um, But yeah, there's uh, those both of those tools allow you to put your competitors in and see what they rank for, and you can see, hey, look at this. They're getting a bunch of volume for helical peers or whatever, you know, like, and why? Well, they have a page on their website about that service and they um, are, you know, you can go look at their page. What is, what is up with that page? Well, maybe that page has 500 words of content. So finding the pages that competitors are, are putting out there um, and also just looking at how much volume there is for different searches. So the things you want to rank for, um, custom home builder in your city, whatever it happens to be, kitchen remodeling in. So finding those keywords that are worth spending the time and effort on and just, it's all about empathy. You know, what would I want if I was searching that topic, right? If I was searching that topic, what would I, what am I looking for? You can Google it yourself. I spend a lot of time just Googling stuff and looking what, at what Google is showing. And honestly, their algorithm is pretty good nowadays. So usually they're pretty good about showing what people are clicking on and really using that, um, Googling what you wanna show for, looking at what um, they're showing for that and beating those pages. So that means putting more content on your key service pages, even if, and I know that this is, this is a common thing with remodelers and home builders. They want it to look pretty and they want it to be sparse. Because they know no one reads. And that's true. No one reads. But Google reads. <laughs> Google reads more than anyone because they have their bots going out every day. And if there's not enough content on that site. So there's ways to do that where you can make a beautiful portfolio. And then beneath that, you can have a couple key sections with content. And then let's say have a expand and contract FAQ section, which is like one of our signature moves. So you can get 500 words into this FAQ section on each of the service pages about, hey, these are things people are asking, but we don't need to make it gigantic and take up a bunch of space that can contract. Um, but there's ways to get more content onto your key service pages. Uh, SEO beats up social because, well, think about it. Just a real quick note on this. like They both sell advertising, Facebook and, and Google. Guess who has more revenue? Double the revenue, actually, Google. So, I mean, hey, they've either gotten much better at the, the advertising model or, you know, people are making a smart decision with their advertising do dollars and doing it based on where people are. And it, it comes down to, it's not even that Google has that much more traffic it's that the intent is to search and often search for services so i think google is a very good place to spend your effort and just um your time trying to rank it's interesting i, I actually was taking a lot of notes and made a lot of uh <clears throat> you know uh was writing down a lot here as you were speaking tim because as you think about this and and you put it together perfectly where although some of us may have seen success from social media, right? We may get some leads, you know, some, you know, you have a, a term in sales, you have silent sales people, right? People that sell your brand that aren't on your payroll that are following you. They believe in the culture and what you're doing. And yeah, clients may come from that, whether it be LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook. But really when people are searching, I need a custom builder, right? I need someone to remodel my kitchen. They're not going to Instagram and searching hashtags. They're not going to Facebook. They're going to Google saying, I need a remodeler in Tempe, Arizona, right? And, and that's where the value is because when, when you're solving a pain point, when actually people, the intent for the platform is to search for somebody, you need to have a presence there. And really, that's exactly what you're, what you're saying right now, Tim. 
And I'll just say this. So we don't currently do social media marketing, but I, I just to make sure that it's clear, we've helped a high-end home builder sell a $2 million home on Instagram. So like when we were doing that as a service, I know that it does happen. Yeah. It's just, a, it's a little less likely. So it's basically, and it's also very hard to do as an outside company. So note that I am doing this based on what I think an outside company can help with. You as a as a builder um, or remodeler, those things do sell. Please continue doing it. Please be on Instagram. Please be using the hashtags. Everything, it all matters. It's really kind of, for me, it's what's scalable from the outside perspective. And yes, I do think it sells more stuff, but um, they're both really important. Yeah. And that's a clear distinction. I mean, the reality is, is you're a consultant, as we're hiring you, Tim, right, to help our marketing strategy and SEO. I mean, that's where the value is for you to come in. You know, me as an individual enterprise, yeah, there's no doubt that being on different platforms to be exposed to different demographics and people and, you know, you want to be everywhere, right? It's that ripple effect. The Mm -hmm. more places you are, the more eyes that can see you. And so there's values on different platform. It's just what works for you. But what I love is the content side, because I think this is where most of us struggle is that you know, life's busy, work's busy. Um, our, our jobs are chaotic right now. We're dealing with retention, as you mentioned. But when you start thinking about the pain points, which you alluded to, you know, and this is where the FAQs, right? The frequently asked questions or, you know, as you go in, whether you have a blog on the website and you have, as you mentioned, Google's going through the website and they're analyzing how many words do you have? Because we're not reading it, but Google is, you know, this is where we can start helping the consumer base find us by having topics that people need to understand and look at. And I do know from my side, just some videos, you know, talking about hillside build, talking about what does it take? What's the design, the timeline process to build a custom home? You know, these are some simple things I've done either YouTube videos on or blogs. And it's funny how many people call it because they were searching that and then it pops up. Mm, Totally. Video is a huge way to make this happen too, where you can, you can also, explain something in detail you could have a writer later take that video and turn it into a blog post i'm a big fan of let's say creating one pillar piece of content and then breaking that down into five other pieces of content that's an awesome way to do it Um, also if you embed a video into a blog post or a service page another beautiful thing about it is one it gets a lot a lot of times it gets crawled faster and two people stay on the page longer if they ever interact with that video. So the more you can get people to spend time on your website, the more Google thinks it it really delivered what the the user wanted basically. So by embedding videos, you get people to stay on there longer. We call that dwell time. It just means, hey, is did somebody stay on this website a while? Like Google is trying to analyze whether it's it's fulfilling the intent, basically. Now we're super excited. Welcome one of our new sponsors to the podcast, Pella Windows. And this is even more exciting because we use Pella in so many of our projects, nearly all of them. And they've been just an incredible partner of ours. And locally, Sammy and Adam, they are not only amazing business partners behind us, but they are super close friends. And I speak on the podcast all the time about the importance of relationships, right? Relationships with our customers, with our vendors, with our suppliers, because at the end of the day, I'm only as good as those that help our brand and assist us in our projects to to take it from the ground up all the way to completion. And if we didn't have partners such as Pella, there's no way we'd be who we are today. Over the years, we've built this amazing relationship. When we call them or email them, they respond. They're quick. They're, their company culture, their integrity, their honesty You know, they are always there to do what's right for us and the customer. They can do anything from small replacement projects to large custom homes and even multi-million dollar commercial projects. And also, when you think about their product line, they can do ultra contemporary, historical preservation, and large traditional projects. So for anyone, any scale, any size, they're the ones to call. They're here local. You know, they have an amazing Instagram. Make sure and give them a follow to see what they're doing. So if you need windows and doors, give Sammy and Adam a call. We stand behind Pella. We love what they do, their culture, their brand, and especially their quality. And if you want to learn more about Pella Windows, check our show notes. We'll have everything tagged there so you can give them a follow and have their contact information to reach out. And now let's get back into the episode. So let me ask you this because this is really fascinating. I mean, now, not that you didn't have my attention before, but you definitely have it now too, because when you think about, okay, if you're going to create you know, a piece of content, let's break that down into five because now you're really solving a pain for for me, for us, the customer, right? And then you start looking at, well, if you mm. have a video on there, 
you could transcribe this and now put it into the content you put on the website. And then as you mentioned, you can embed the video into the blog post. So now you're creating so many different ways yeah. to capture that audience and that SEO content. And so when you're working with your clientele, when you're working with a business such as mine, I mean, are you pushing video? Are you seeing that really valuable as you mentioned now? Oh yeah. We love it. We love clients that do video. It's just so much more effect. Like we can turn those into blog posts. Um, we know everything works together. So I know social and video work together with SEO because essentially another thing is that Google is operating by parsing out, sorry, going technical for a second. It's okay, um, please. Parsing out entities, right? Like a brand is an entity, an individual is an entity. It's trying to parse out authoritative entities. So for instance, if you have a lot of people searching a finer touch and they are, that brand seems like a well sought after brand, then it helps the other things that you're, that you're doing on search. So I think of brand, it's, it's something that I don't push a lot to our customers because it sounds like marketing fluff and bullshit. <laughs> and, but a brand does help your search, uh, your search, basically the algorithm a lot because Google really is looking for these authoritative entities and social helps. And it does actually help a little bit like the shares and stuff on social. It's, it's called social signals. It's not that big of a help on search but it does play a factor. And then branded search, the amount of times people are searching your company name also uh, helps the other things on your website rank because it looks like this is an authoritative source. So and, Oh, go ahead. Keep going. Tim. Yeah. Actually, I think I wrapped up my thought there. That oh, sorry. Yeah. As I cut I you off, but it's interesting because as you mentioned, when you're speaking about whether you're a thought leader or the authoritative sense, right? So what, in essence, by by doing these videos and capturing that, you know, as people are looking up, you know, Hook Agency or Tim Brown, they're looking up AFT or whatever it may be, you know, as Google sensing, hey, th this is a keyword, this brand continues yeah. to be searched. It's you know, we see it on YouTube, which is connected to Google. We see it on, you know, whether it be the blogs or whether it be Instagram and these other platforms. And now they're sensing, as you mentioned, that there's a thought leader. So now it's going to continue to reward you. Uh, because mm -hmm. it views you as being, you know, a thought leader in regard to your industry. In addition, you know, like people, people operate that way as well. We're attracted to a trusted name, a, you know, people link to your, um, your stuff more often because they recognize the name. So you get people that you get more links that way too. So everything kind of works together. That's why I love encouraging construction owners and their marketing people to to really focus on video. It's a beautiful thing. I don't think, you know, if you if you're a small company, do I want it to be 50% of your marketing budget? No. And that's not just for my own kind of like I'd like some space in that marketing budget too. It's also <laughs> it's also maybe it is a little. Uh, but I also I think that people get caught up, you know, because once again, like basically I'll, I'll just tell a story, a brief story to illustrate this. I was at a trade show recently in Orlando and a guy walked by with a very, very fancy rig, a very cool video setup, And he was just doing video at the trade show. First of all, who is that for? Do you think homeowners are going to give a shit? Probably not. Um, but he walks by. And I, I was like, dang, dude, how much was that? Because uh, I'm just, I'm not, uh, what do you call that? Not, not bashful. I probably should ask that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I should, probably shouldn't do that. But he said 10K. And I'm like, that's pretty good. I mean, it's it, video equipment is not that expensive nowadays. But I'll be honest, I use my phone a lot. Yeah. And it's a lot more about the content nowadays than having perfect right. 4K video every single time. Anyways. We were doing a little, uh, a little kind of challenge at this trade show that just said like, "Do you rank?" So we had a sign that said, "Do you rank?" And um, we typed in their city plus their main service. And I I couldn't find them at first, and I think they kind of wandered off. And I 
I kind of scrolled, 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 and I got to like the sixth or seventh page. First of all, this is a badass company, probably like 20, 30 million, whatever. Pretty, like they should rank. They should rank for this. Yeah. For this city plus service, right? Found them finally on like the sixth or seventh page. And I walked over because you should rank for your city plus service. That's a really good money making thing because that is the way a lot of people search. And, and, I found very quickly that when I kind of chat, like I, I didn't, wasn't trying to be weird, but I, I just said, Hey, just so you guys know, you guys don't rank. And the guy, the guy was like upset with me. And he was like, don't, don't, he's like, he's telling me it didn't matter. He got kind of angry and flustered in front of everyone. I didn't mean to do that, but I'll just say this is like, you know, that that guy is having fun because video is fun. You know, it's not fun sitting around doing a bunch of content all day to get your, your thing to rank on Google. Like video is, I get it. I want to do video more often than I want to do the hard, weird, gritty work of ranking on Google and not to say that they don't work together, but I'm just saying, I don't think people should be spending half their time on video when this is the real reason. I don't think everyone should be spending half their time on video. When you put out a video on Facebook, even a really good one, how many views does it get? Not a whole lot, Naturally. not on Facebook. Yeah. Like 20. Yeah. Dude. Like, and I Barely. have 5,000, 5,000 likes on my Facebook page. I, I can promote that. I can spend another $500 to get that in front of everyone that needs to see it. And yes, that is the way to do it. If you do video, pay to play. you should, you should always pay. Like, otherwise you shouldn't be making that video. If you're not going to pay to, cause basically eyeballs are really important for this uh, this video stuff. And if you don't have eyeballs, you shouldn't be making the videos basically. Yeah. So I just see it get ballooned out. It gets very expensive to do video in a way that, cause it's really all about how many eyeballs see that. And it's unfortunate, but almost no eyeballs on, on Facebook. Now, LinkedIn is another story weirdly, and that works for us, but it probably is not going to be as big of an audience for most construction companies, but yeah, it's just hard to get eyeballs. And most of us are not going to be crazy influencers. I'm not going to say that you're not. I'm not I'm not saying that person listening to this is not going to be one, but it's kind of a long shot. So I don't build my strategy around like virality or influencer stuff. You want to find a way to that you can scale it. And I think unfortunately it's hard to get views on videos. Yeah, it is, but but you've left a lot of good insight, very valuable insight, Tim. I mean, even speaking about the, you know, you see someone at the trade conference that has spent a lot in video equipment, they're doing the video, but then the reality is the most important asset is where do they rank, right? And as you search for them, hey, you know, home remodeler, home remodeler in Dallas, Texas, you know, where do they fit if that's their scope of work? Because mm -hmm. that should be the focus because Google is where people are driving and Yes, the video will enhance that, but as you mentioned, there's a lot of cost to video, right? Just in the equipment. If the you're shooting. number one, if you're like number one through five on that first page, go ahead, double down on video. I'm cool <laughs> with it. You know, like, but basically, like, get your, get the like non nice to haves down. Build so, the audience, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, so, so really, as you're thinking about this, if a company's thinking about marketing, I mean, it's one thing to say, okay, if I'm a small business, where do I start? Well, there's a lot of things to focus on, but if I'm just focusing on my marketing strategy, you know, being a young company, what, how would you counsel someone like that, Tim? Because I'm sure, I mean, for you, you have a very diverse um, portfolio mm -hmm. of clientele. So some may have, you know, at, at a point in their business where they're looking to get up on the Google rankings, where they're looking to maybe enhance video. And so their budget may change. But if someone's saying, okay, I'm fairly new or I, I'm pretty seasoned, I only have so much for marketing, mm -hmm. where should I focus my time and effort? personal network and referrals. <laughs> um, and even your, some of your personal like social media pages, like I would get a little bit more community connected on those things. I mean, I did that too. I, I bootstrapped my business from zero. I mean, you can blog, you can connect with people on social media. You can, I, I will say, I do like social media for that instance. When you're super early, because it's free. Anything that's free, right? go hard. But like do find a rhythm and kind of a ritual that's weekly around doing these key marketing efforts. And I always talk about Saturday morning. I think I, if I scare you with the Saturday morning talk, 
<laughs> then uh, you're not ready for entrepreneurship. <laughs> um, but hey, blogging, connecting with as many people as possible. If you are in the aesthetic trades, like a home builder, remodeler, yes, Instagram, liking, commenting, connecting with people um, in the community. And one way to do that on any social platform that I like is just find pages like yours in the community and, and follow the people that liked the, and commented on their stuff. So that works for any platform. Um, find somebody similar to you and, and basically connect with their very active users. And um, that's, that's free. That's free. I'll do that all day. Um, and, and I love you shared that real quick, Tim. It's interesting yeah. because I've known a lot of people, especially because one of the challenges, let's just take, for example, Instagram right now. It's a platform that because, you know, the way the algorithms are set up, you know, it's much of a pay for play now and it's a lot harder to grow organically as opposed to maybe three years ago or four years ago. But the, the truth be told, as you mentioned, when you're looking for those loyal followers, there are a lot of people that have grown a lot of success and what they do is they go to similar accounts, right? So if they're in the architectural community, they'll go to big architectural accounts because they always have these same 20 people, 30 people, 40 people that are always commenting on the same one. And so they'll go connect with them, they'll like, they'll respond. And so they start little engagement pods in, you know, with the posts, whether mm -hmm. it be LinkedIn or Instagram. Yeah. And then those people start following them. So what you're doing is you're not stealing them, you're just capturing another set of eyes that are already engaging yeah. on the platform and already have interest because they're commenting. Yeah. And I think it gets a little less, um, I, I guess it feels like a lot of time, let's say if you're running a small business um, to commit. So if you want to think about it as referral partnerships, it might help you a little bit because if you have other trade people in the community or other like companies kind of like yours, back and forth with those people, and share their stuff and tag them and stuff and, and like, and follow their people and all that too. But um, it definitely helps when you're in a smaller community because it's a little bit clearer who the people are. Um, and it doesn't have to be just construction. It doesn't have to be just trades. It could be, Hey, the chiropractic clinic, it could be all the people, you know, like in your community that have a high end clientele. Um, there's opportunity. If you, Think a little bit scrappy. If you also tag people and you kind of get like, this is what I love about video too, is like doing video with referral partners in the community and talking to them, actually going to their office or their, you know, um, to talk about something that would engage both of your audiences and kind of cross pollinate the audiences. And I think that that part makes a little bit more sense to people that aren't naturally like motivated on the marketing side because they can actually talk about your company to humans that that word of mouth marketing can also happen. It just also happens on social media too. Like I think for people that aren't super into marketing, they basically Facebook and social media is just word of mouth advertising with a little bit of screens be between us. So there's nothing wrong with making it crossover into the real world making videos together and then tagging each other on social media. I think that that's another easy way to like kind of introduce yourself to this. If you're not naturally motivated on marketing. Tim, I, I, I love these shows. I think, you know, because as you were speaking about that cross branding, you know, I was thinking um, just application, right? I look you know, we spent a lot of time on social media and um, we did work for a client here, Brian Harris, and he was on the podcast early on. He's a cosmetic dentist. You know, has a huge platform. I mean, a huge um, uh, network on on social media. He's a thought leader. You know, he goes and trains doctors and dentists all around the country on cosmetic dentistry. And it's funny because through that cross branding or tagging, you know, tagging him, him tagging me. One of my clients found him. They went and had their veneers done through Brian, right? And I've had I think two or three clients now that were clients of Brian that found me through his platform, right? So this is someone that's not in construction. They're not in architecture, not design. They just know Brian and that cross-branding as we share each other's work or relationship or you know things he's doing marketing-wise. It's funny, those people come over to my platform and now have hired us. And so to your point, 
that's where if you don't have a ton of time, yes, by sharing stories, sharing posts with people inside and outside your industry, more importantly outside, because now you're going to get different eyeballs that, uh, you know, uh, just bring them over to your side. Exactly. Exactly. And hey, we do that with, with SEO stuff too, where for especially people in a little bit smaller communities, we we actually create lists on their website of similar, I guess, not similar, services in the community that would be for similar type of people. Um, so the, the 10 best restaurants, the 10 best dentists, the 10 best whatever, you can create those lists, especially if you're in a smaller community, it's kind of easier to hit all those lists and actually have some context. Um, if you're a business owner being a little bit scrappy about this um, and, and then send that list that has that um, person on it to that, to that person and tell them that you put them in their list. So they're now going to be more likely to be an advocate for you when they're out talking to people face to face. And that advocation is huge. It's funny because you said earlier dwell time, right? That's the term you used. And in essence, yeah. that's what you're doing. I mean, you're, you're creating dwell time. You're creating a reason, even if it's not construction related or design or architecture related, that they're coming onto the website because there's other value there. You're providing that again, it's that collaboration, it's that re- uh, reciprocity, right? That, that's bringing clients between the businesses. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and then just to kind of relate it back to the SEO side, like I want to be an authority on that city. That's why we do it oh, as yeah. an SEO company. We want to be the authority for that city so we can start to get essentially um, good uh, algorithmic benefit for all the, the terms that we want to rank for in that city. So that's kind of why we do it. Um, we've seen it uh, kind of have osmosis to the other topics that we want to rank for. So life, it's, it's funny as an entrepreneur, and you definitely have that entrepreneur makeup, right, Tim? And you have this energy yeah. about you that's very unique and... You know, but it could be tough. You know, being an entrepreneur uh, changes many times throughout the day. And <laughs> I'm sure there's times you're like, what, why am I doing this? I mean, looking back at your entrepreneurial career, you know, what are some of the challenges like you had early on or even now just, you know, trying to, to, to solve the pain point for us contractors? Yeah. Um, I think I'm always in a, I'm in a hopeful, I'm a hopeful guy, you know, and I always kind of assume that the next like couple pivots are going to solve whatever issue I've got, you know, like, um, so we haven't always been completely focused on contractors and construction companies, home services. Uh, we, so one of my biggest challenges was writing for different industries. Like we, we write at scale for people. So that was very difficult a lot easier to do when you're niched Mm -hmm. so that was a big existential crisis like last year and this earlier this year when we finally niched um but other things have just been retaining employees like i had mentioned that's a big one um finding a way to it's not only you're retaining an employee you're retaining the the information that you've given you know when you've when you've built into somebody for a long period of time and then that goes away. So it starts to become more important because it's like for especially for the very specific jobs that you need done um, that require a lot of context. It can, becomes more and more important to keep those people that are smart around so that you can retain all of the information you've given. Um, another one has been around like coaches. So I have been coached a lot. Um, I've hired coaches thousands of dollars a month. Um, grateful for everything they taught me. I've had coaches around sales. I've had coaches around leadership, um, had coaches around niching. Um, and at a certain point I kind of still meet with mentors and stuff like that, but I've kind of, I have coaches or mentor type people working with my employees a little bit more now because I like I I described it this way, and this is like really overselling it because I'm not that smart. But you feel like you got this heavy brain, and it's just like without the team being on point, it doesn't matter how smart you can get. That's how it feels to me. I know that I can help people to a certain degree on my team, but I also want I'm also paying for some mentorship to the people on my team, um, 
because some of this stuff is a little over my head. Uh, and <laughs> so it's kind of the, the idea of scaling mentorship to the team. And it can't always just be me. I just don't feel um, I'm not a natural born manager type. So I'm trying to find ways to kind of help these people get mentorship beyond me. And and I love that you share that. I mean, you think about the coaching angle. Um, one thing many of us fail to do, and I looked at this early on, is you know, you're trying to figure out by yourself how to run your business. You're trying to figure out all the pitfalls. And the problem is you only you don't know what you don't know, right? And so by not having a coach or not having mentors, it's really hard to look around every corner. It's really hard to prepare your business for the things that may or may not come up. And so I see value there and I'm glad you share that because I look back now, you know, we're fortunate to join a Builder 20 program, you know, we're part of CBSA, which is a national buying group. And so twice a year, you know, at Builder 20 and then six times a year through CBSA, right? I'm networking with contractors. I'm understanding litigation issues they're dealing with, you know, how much are they paying their people? How much are they paying, uh, you know, how much are they charging customers, right? So all these little nuances of the business, right? That supply chain. And so you're dealing with people that are like-minded, you know, mentors, coaches, if you will, that now are helping me hopefully be a better business owner, right? Create a better culture for our team. And, you know, it's so valuable to have someone that's not in the business every day like you, Tim, that can say, hey, look, I've been there. I've done that. Why don't you look at X, Y, and Z? Absolutely. Uh, I love mentorship. I love paid coaches. I love all that stuff. I I wish I could spend more on it for myself, but. So, uh, you got to make decisions about who you got to get the other people up there too. You yeah. Know? And, and I love that you do that too for the team. I mean, that's super yeah. valuable. Just when you start thinking about the company culture, you know, for you and something, this is what you touched on. And I think it's important, you know, for us as we look at our business, but for you, I mean, you had talked about that you had worked as, you know, doing marketing SEO for all companies and now it's more of a niche, right? You're focused on certain ones. Yeah. I mean, what made that transition and how has that been beneficial being a little bit more targeted on your clientele? Yeah, there's there's kind of goods and bads to that. So the one the biggest good thing is because writing um is such a big part of our service because um SEO is is a lot about written word, basically. Um the ability to do that at scale for construction companies is a little bit more reasonable. It's still a little ridiculous, to be honest with you. It's like, what are these guys writing then? Well, <laughs> You'd be surprised. I mean, our our average client has over a hundred percent more traffic year over year, and over fifty percent more leads year over year, which is kind of crazy. And we don't even take clients in their first couple of years of business, so this isn't like three visitors to, to nine six, visitors. Yeah. This is like, <laughs> yeah, this is like thousands more uh, and hundreds more leads a lot of times. So it's um, it is a lot of you know like kind of sourcing expertise from other places on the internet and it is it all has to be original content stuff like that but basically that was the reason (laughs) that was a big reason we niched um and you know what what's beautiful like people actually do start to see us as a little bit of an authority in the contractor space just because um we have more credibility you have more credibility when you specialize in something and it may, hey, I might be just as good of an SEO company for dentists. And actually we have a, we still have a dentist client from back in the day and we actually are really good for them, but you don't come off as credible, credible, you know, like, because you just, when you don't have the language that they have. So that, that's as a B2B company, as a company serving businesses, they want to hear the language. And I think as a specialized company, you just, you have so much more nuance around all the little intricacies of that one thing. So for me, it's construction marketing, but um, whatever that happens to be for you, you'll have so much more um, context and it definitely makes things, it solved like a couple big problems we had just straight out the gate. So that was a beautiful thing. I'm less stressed now. So that's part of the reason. (laughs) I don't think I quite understood how much I would be less stressed, but I am less stressed. So that's that's beautiful. (laughs) Well, that I think you solved it already in this episode. Then yeah. I mean, the key we're all trying to be less stressed, but you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're looking at being devil's advocate, right? If you're looking at the con, right? Maybe it to some extent, and it may not. It may limit, you know, at least the lead generation or who you're looking at going towards. But yeah, but the value proposition, as you mentioned, now you can become more refined in your process because hey, mm-hmm. we're writing. So 
you know, similar industry, understanding keywords, understanding the flow, that business to business side, you know, as we're creating this content. And then of course, you know, it, it just allows more synergy, right? Between you and the end customer. Now you can really hit your stride and, um, you know, it's a super valuable lesson to understand, you know, how important it is to understand your wheelhouse and, and that niche that you work in. Exactly. And so Tim, I mean, what's, what's the best advice you were given, um, whether it be from a mentor or coach or just in your career? I'm going to go simple on this one. Trust yourself. You have more context on your situation than anyone else. So I talked about coaches. I'll give this as a counterpoint. You know more about all the intricacies of your situation than any coach, any consultant, any outside company, even your wife. What? You have more context um, than anyone else. So use that context and trust yourself. Do take advice, but always take it with a grain of salt. Is there a time, especially recently, I mean, through the chaos of the last year and a half, where you've really had to trust yourself despite things happening around you? Or maybe, like you said, as you're starting to hone in, you know, your demographic and and, uh, your network? Yeah, I think... It's definitely because it's hiring because I'm still responsible for hiring. <laughs> so each of those hires and, and you know, each each of the times we've had to let somebody go. Um, I'm now at that point in my business where I've had to do that a number of times. And those it all requires trusting yourself and you can't fully give that context to an outside person. Um, but yeah, probably the biggest one is the niche thing because that that does seem like a big leap of faith. But like the information I have that a lot of outside people don't have is how many leads that we have all the time from construction companies. So it's like, I'm not scared because 70% of our leads are construction companies now because we have so many good case studies. So it's basically like, that's just a great example of like, we have all that information. We know our real lead flow. And then like, but people, I do get scared, but sometimes like I've had people come like, what, what are you doing? Like, why would you do that? Like, that's scary. You guys do beautiful websites for everybody. I'm like, yes. And that is the scary part, but you know, you know, you know, your lead flow, you know, whatever it is. So. Yeah. I love these share that. It's interesting. Just thinking about the hiring and firing, right? It's just like Disney, right? Slow to hire, quick to fire, which, which is tough. I mean, it's tough to implement that. It's tough to create that culture. And you know, sometimes we, we had that instance, you know, a few years ago where we just had a challenge with one of our employees and it was, you know, as much as you can consult with other people or you just know that this person's not right for the fit, the culture, the company, how they communicate mm-hmm. with our customer. And you just know that it, it, you have to let them go. And it, it's a hard conversation. I mean, that's definitely the hardest yeah. one we have as entrepreneurs and business owners. I totally agree. Somebody said uh, 72 hours of pain. And I found that helpful, even if it was maybe a little bit more pain than that, but it was kind of a helpful like thought, like the day before, the day of, and the day after. Like, yeah. It is it is painful, but if it's the right thing, it might be the right thing for them too. You know, they might feel that it's time to move on as well. Yeah, it's a good perspective. There's 70 hours of pain and the reality is for the tra- trajectory of the company, right? If it's going to be much better, that's the mm. you know, it's a decision that has to be made. Yep. And you're actually like, that's, that's actually what helps motivate me a little bit when I have to do that. It's just like the people around that person, their lives are actually going to get better. Yeah. And you, they know, it's usually they know, they know. Yeah. Well, you've been amazing to I me. Mean, it's just incredible. Your wealth of knowledge. Yeah. And I mean, there's so many things you shared today, just about the value of, you know, for, for those who are concerned about time and where do I put my assets, right? Especially with SEO and, you know, take a video, break it down, you know, embed it in your blog post. I mean, just valuable stuff. And so for those listening, you know, Tim, uh, what do you have upcoming and exciting? Um, well, I've got a, a trade show this next month. I'm <laughs> going to roofing process conference in Florida again. Um, I, I Something that's going on on our website right now, if you want to check it out, yeah, is we're, we're doing a free uh, Google ads opportunity report. So we'll Put together how many leads you could get if you did Google Ads with a certain amount of budget. Uh, we'll break that down for you and give it to you. Um, I think that's helpful. A lot of people want to get started with Google in some way, and this is kind of the easy way. Google Ads is a little bit easier way to get started than SEO sometimes for people. A little bit clear cut, a little bit sooner reward, and so that's a 
um, available on our site. It's just the top bar on the website right now. It's showing up. Um, so check that out. It kind of There's an example on there of one. Um, and just check out our website in general, hookagency.com. We'll do that. And so outside of hookagency.com, where else can our listeners find you? Yeah, if you just uh, throw Tim Brown, Hook Agency into LinkedIn or Facebook, I'm kind of, I'm active on both of them. I kind of treat Facebook like LinkedIn accidentally. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> once I realized the, the, the Facebook page stopped having any organic reach whatsoever, I just kind of <laughs> turned my personal pl- profile into business page. Oops. <laughs> yeah. I love that. That's awesome. Well, yeah. well, Tim, you've been amazing. I really appreciate you joining us today. And uh, thanks for all the knowledge you shared. Awesome. Thank you for having me. So thank you all for tuning into the podcast today. And just as a recap, if you check the show notes, they're just going to have all the links for the topics that we discuss. And also one of our favorite features now is the chapters that go through the conversation. So if there's certain topics you want to revisit or listen to, they're outlined by the time that we discuss those. And again, we can't thank you enough for all of your support. Please make sure and download our podcast, subscribe, give us a five-star rating and review wherever you download your podcast.